0: squad coming at you from the Rochester studio direct into your AirPods because you are a person of only the finest taste. I am your host, Joe Farrell. I'm a software engineering student at the Rochester Institute of Technology, and I'm also a full time DevOps engineer who now dabbles in pretending to be a podcaster. Joining me tonight is my devilishly handsome co host
1: Evan Hirsch, tell them about yourself, Evan. Well, I am a person from downstate New York in Monroe. Uh, I also attend the Rochester Institute of Technology doing uh, software engineering, majoring in computer science, and minoring in computer security. And I work for a company that was a startup 30 years ago, but now is just Microsoft. Ah, um, that's so- a nice sweat. That's that's
0: a good dunk. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. So uh well I'm interning for them right now, is really the way to put it. So um it's a time. I'm currently over in uh Redmond, Washington, which is why it still looks like there's light outside. Because that's just what it's like here is the sun just doesn't set until like nine forty five. So it's a little weird. Hold on a second. So
0: you're a Microsoft intern, but you're using airpods does microsoft That's not right. have some sort of proprietary product do they not have Mike Mic- the zune fucking headphones so, that you could put? They, they, they. first off they actually the do picture? have the
1: surface headphones and they're actually apparently pretty good and i know what you're trying to do is you're trying to say evan i need you to talk about the zune hd for like 10 minutes to fill our show time and you know what joe I don't I honestly am like having some reservations about doing that because I don't really know a whole lot about the Zune HD other than like it's this sort of like unattainable device for me. And those sort of cycle in and out for me every few months, like a few months ago, it was the Game Boy Micro until I bought one. And now it's the Zune HD, which was like actually an an unironically great product Microsoft built that no one bought, which you know, happens in Microsoft's history is they built a few like really good products that like literally no one bought, and the Zune HD was one of them. And ironically, it's where like you know that whole Metro shit, like the whole modern design language that Microsoft built, right? The Zune HD go with that? No, the Zune HD was the first product to have that ever, and they were so like technically all of Microsoft's design language. Goes down to the Zune HD. (laughs) It started there. I called it more of like a black marshmallow, but. A black marshmallow. That's that's my memory of the Zune. Uh, Well, I think my memory of the Zune was that family guy made fun of it once. And it was because like that's that's how old Zune is. Was that family guy was like a relevant staple in American like pop culture.
0: Okay, but if if we measured if we measured culture by everything that Family Guy made fun of, I feel like no, we'd be in some pretty sore shape here.
1: No, no, no. It was culture was everything that Family Guy made fun of, and the public kind of listened, right? Like if it was the butt of a Family Guy joke, and everyone was like, "Ha ha, that's funny." I'm not gonna buy a Zune, which is basically what it was. It was um, I think it was uh, there was there was some like cutaway Zune joke. And everyone was like, ah, yes, it's over. Ah, the <laughs> there it is. The ah, Zoom. Family like, guys. I, family, guys uh, yeah, fa- <laughs> family guys, whatever. But like, I, I don't know. Like the thing is, I'm kind of, there's, there's a lot of like old tech nostalgia that I've really kind of been feeling recently. Like either if it's like portable music players that you download songs onto, like actual MP3 players or like smaller phones. Okay. Like I'm kind of wistful. Hold on, hold on to that thought for a second.
0: So yeah, the iPod Touch is coming back. Apple's bringing it is back. The iPod Touch. Mm-hmm. Do you see a future in which Microsoft gives the Zune no. the old no second <clears throat> second college try? Or they're okay. like, hey, listen, we went for that degree one time, we we flunked the fuck out, but we we think maybe on the second attempt we we might we might we might make it.
1: So I'm thinking the answer to that is fucking no. <laughs> the reason being and granted. So here's some interesting thing. I don't really know too much about what's going on on uh, the hardware team and if I did I couldn't say shit. My so this is all coming from me as like tech fan. I just do my stuff over in Azure and I kind of worry about that. In terms of the hardware and in terms of services. So this is all just like Same Evan that was in like 2008 and was a huge Microsoft fan and whatever. Microsoft killed off the Zune brand like a long time ago. They killed off the Zune brand in like 2013 and they replaced it with Xbox because they were trying to make Xbox like their iTunes. They were trying to make it like their encompassing media brand back then. Um, So they were like, what are, what do we have? We have Xbox games, Xbox music, Xbox video. Like that's our whole concept is Xbox, everything. Uh, and Xbox music was just a rebranded Zune. Um, it was a rebranded Zune store. It was a rebranded Zune podcast directory, which I ironically, I think at the time had like a podcast on. So technically I had a podcast on the Zune podcast directory, which
0: so what is you, no longer, what I'm hearing is that you need to go look up Evan Hirsch on the Zune podcast directory You can't do it anymore. Shakers and shakers.
1: You can't do it with a (laughs) it's it's. Oh man, it's I. I'm pretty sure like I still have old iPods with my old shit downloaded on it, and I'm gonna have to like burn them. I have an iPod Nano, like like a first Mm. iPod Nano. Oh my god, so lucky! That was my first ever iPod, and I wish I still had it. The greatest. Yeah, I wish I still had mine. It's so fucking good. It's such a good device, and like. I miss mine so much. I think the iPods I have now—I forget the exact generation number. It might have been the uh, mm, the it. it I, I forget it. It might be the sixth gen Nano, the sixth gen Nano, or whichever Nano I'm thinking of right now was the one with, that was the little square clip-on that had the touch screen.
0: Oh, right? I never had um, one of those. I also I those
1: have... they were so cool. I never <laughs> so had
0: cool. like the second gen touch mm-hmm i had that also it was a real cool when i was like a, a little kid yep guess, or i guess i don't know was i
1: in middle school i don't know you were in middle school i was in middle school we're this we're, we're basically the same age Yeah, we are the same more or less except like give or take a year but like it's the the, the touch was so so good it was such a good device like um And the the iPod Nano 6th gen was almost like a micro iPod touch that like you could use for mostly just music and whatnot. But actually, what if if you remember, you might remember this. What happened was back then it looked like a small little square. So some people had the clever idea of making wristbands for it and turning it into a little proto Apple watch. I forgot about that. Remember that there was like a little the iPod Nano was this weird little like proto Apple watch before Apple made an Apple watch. They even put little watch faces on it later. They even updated it with more. Because they saw that's how people were using it. That was a whole thing for a while that I. It was. That was. Nobody weird. remembers it. The yeah. Original, the OG Apple watch was incredible. It was. It oh. was. It was. It, was, it Except for the fact that it had, like, I think very little accelerometer, so it couldn't detect when it was being raised. So it was literally all these people being like, let me check the time, click, and like to to actually see the time. But I think the number one thing
0: that I've learned from this conversation is that Mm -hmm. the Zune brand is available. And what I'm hearing here is that I should go out and take advantage of. The newfound nostalgia for single-use
1: music players. I think single, yeah, I think single-use music players are definitely the way to go. I think you can also probably go back, like, and take advantage of like nostalgia for hit clips. Um, hit clips. Do you remember those? Hit. Do you remember hit? I hit do clips are like these hit clips. What in the world hit, are hit clips? Hit clips were like okay, so. I'm going to say two words and don't freak out. Tiger Electronics. You know those guys? Tiger so, Electronics.
0: What are these words?
1: Okay. Tiger Electronics made every shit toy you had as a kid. Tiger Electronics. That's the company that did it. If you, were, if you were buying a toy that wasn't made by Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft, like or it wasn't a game console, before the year 2007 in a Walmart, and it had, like, a screen or some buttons on it. Tiger Electronics probably made it. And they made so much, like, proto-media shit for kids. They made this tiny little music player called a Hit Clip. And there was, like, tons of different versions of them, ones that looked like little jukeboxes, and they had these little fucking cartridges that you would plug stuff in. And these, you plug in these songs, and it would play, like, almost like an iTunes fucking preview of the song. Yeah, now you're remembering no, no, no,
0: it. No, 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 Were they the guys behind, like, those little boxes where you would, like, stack them and the little guys inside the boxes would, like, interact and, like, walk between the boxes.
1: Oh, I think I know what you're talking about and almost certainly.
0: It was like this semi-dystopian, like, apartment complex for children.
1: Uh, Yeah, I... It was literally fucking uh, Tomodachi life for kids. Yes. (laughs) It was... That's great. Um, And, um... I, like it, it's such a great like fucking they make all the dumb shit that you that you had as a kid uh and also if it sounds like i was a little distracted i was because as of right now i just bought the domain zoom.rocks. um <laughs> just to just to say so joe we're gonna capitalize on the zune market because we own zune.rocks now
0: we're gonna this podcast is going to just single-handedly take over the entire zune brand right we're we're gonna we're gonna transition to being just a zune-centric podcast
1: oh hey yeah no i'll call it uh windows central um i'm like (laughs) we'll call it it windows we're bringing windows central back baby i'm pretty sure it's still around (laughs) that website's not dead um also that wasn't a joke i really did spend 13 dollars for this joke <laughs> all right yes, um yeah um but no anyways like technology has like changed an insane amount in the past like couple like or the past two decades and it's really like it's there's no more kids stuff anymore i think is really what i'm trying to get at like back then right there were the there was like things that adults got Right. If you were an adult, you got like a Sony Walkman, and if we were a kid, you got them like the little kid shit. Right. Like you got them little kid toys that you could find in like the the toy section in like a Walmart.
0: Yeah, I um, like the and- distinction between like a child's electronic and like something you might get in like a McDonald's meal mm-hmm. was not huge. Like a Tamagotchi. It really wasn't. And like, yeah. a weird little watch battery operated thing
1: were very mm-hmm. similar they were super similar and now it's like you don't really there's no distinction other than the price of the thing right so like okay you're going to if you're if you're a parent and you own an iphone and you're in the apple ecosystem or whatever like you're going to either get your kid like an you're going to get your kid an apple device that runs ios that's under 500 dollars. so that means you're probably going to get like the current regular iPad, which is the 329 one, right? Or are you're going to get them like an iPad mini, or you're going to get them probably the new iPod touch, which is one of the reasons that actually like still exists is because it's like, I want to get my seven-year-old something to like watch videos or whatnot. And the iPod touch is still that thing. Um, you could give them probably your old hand-me-down iPhone too. And like, you know, shut some stuff off and like not connected to Verizon and whatnot, but. Most people don't have a hand-me-down iPhone anymore. If you're on one of these networks, new plans, you don't own phones anymore. You give it to your network when you're done.
0: In all odds, the last hand-me-down iPhone anyone has is probably got to be like the five, if not the six.
1: I actually, and I know this is around
0: the time when, yeah, when we made the transition over to the new style of payment.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, um, for, for me, I think it's this is the first time I'm on the new style payment plan. So actually, I have a bunch of hand-me-down iPhones. Um yeah, actually, it was really have, hard for me to give up um, mm-hmm. my 8 Plus. I'm like,
0: I, I was looking at it like, because mm-hmm. I had purchased the 10S the day it came yep. out because I'm a maniac and I can't be stopped. And yep. I was looking at my 8 Plus and I'd had it for a year because, again, maniac can't be stopped. Right. And I'm looking. At, I'm like, this little thing has served me so well. Why am I just getting rid of it? What? What? But I'm just gonna send it. it well, so I just send it back. I, but I want it. It's it's, it's my phone. It's, I, I'm not giving it back. No, no I Why know. Say
1: it? <laughs> my drawer. I still have an IM7 uh, plus. Uh, also, right. I didn't tell you this. I forgot when I was going to tell you this. But by the way, uh, you were right back in October. Oh, um, I don't the- know what I was right about but mark your calendars. All right. You know what it was? I really wish I got the 10 S instead of the max. Oh, <laughs> I do. Um, I think the max is a great phone for what it's worth, but like I hold, I hold the 10 S and the difference between the regular sized iPhone for the old ones and like the regular size tens is Noticeable, like I was very worried about getting like a small, tiny, little iPhone, like the the sevens or whatever. And I'm I wasn't super into that. The main reason that I upgraded from my six to a seven wasn't because I'm like, oh shit, I need a new phone right now. It was because I wanted I I wanted a seven plus. I wanted to go to the bigger screen. Like I was like, this is the thing. Yeah, I want more screen real estate. But like. The XS Max is huge. I can't use it in one hand reasonably. Well, let me talk about it's,
0: my reasons for going with the XS over the XS Max. Because I agonized over this. For, I'm sure you did. Yeah. I was in... I went First of all, I went to a Best Buy. Like, yeah. let's just marvel at that for a second. I didn't order this phone on the Apple app like a normal person. I went to a yeah. physical Best Buy... And yep. stood there at a counter and stared at these phone. I was actually there for like two and a half hours. I remember this. I remember this. Um, it was weird. It was really weird. And mm-hmm. it was embarrassing. But I, yeah. so I was standing there. I was literally comparing it side by side with my 8 Plus. I'd had my 8 Plus for a year now. And I yeah. loved my 8 Plus. I loved the size a of the phone. screen. The phone I had it's had great. before that was a Samsung Galaxy S6. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. But it was Duh. garbage. Um, right. So I, I'm looking at this. I'm like, so obviously the 10s is the same size screen. It's a lot smaller. And my number one complaint with the 8 Plus was that when i put it in my pocket it fit perfectly fine but it was just that tiny bit uncomfortable and as i looked at the 10s max i'm like this display is unreal like you can't you can't beat the 10s max display it's ungodly gorgeous but See, I'm the thing with the 10 and oh yeah go on and i'm like i'm going to run into the same exact problem As I did with the A+. And in the end, I went with the 10S and using it for a while. And especially now that I've got a proper case on it. Because for the longest time, I just used a a skin on the back. And then I transitioned Mm -hmm. to a case. I'm really glad because I'm one of those people who carries around 40,000 things in their pockets. And I have Mm -hmm. so much more real estate in there now. It's simplified my life.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I use and this is not an ad. I use a peel case. Um, their cases are like so here's the thing. I'm, I'm actually going to kind of tear them down a little bit. Their cases are super flimsy. They scratch incredibly easily. Right. And their 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 quality is not like 100% incredible, but they are the nicest thin case I found. So I usually like buy at least a few of them over the course of my phone's lifespan. Um, I would but say they're
0: also defensive peel. It's yeah. hard, if maybe not impossible, to create a case as thin as they do and not yeah. just have it be super easy to beat the absolute shit out of.
1: Oh, for sure. Like your case is gonna get beaten up like almost immediately, right? but it keeps the inside of your phone fine. Um I, I got saying, like the edges, like
0: mine was like mm-hmm. stretched to hell. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm.
1: It is. I still use them, though, just because like, well, the thing is, what I realized is um, I was holding uh, our friend's 10S Max and uh, back when I ordered mine. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, I made a mistake because <laughs> with the case on that thing was ungodly to hold in a hand. But then I took the case off and I'm like, OK, this is fine. This is good. And I realized I basically cannot use this phone without a peel case. <laughs> because, you're like you get a teeny here. bit bigger. Yeah, no, there's no way like and actually that's one of the biggest things is because you know what I actually really liked on my old iPhone on on my six is the Apple battery case. I actually like the Apple battery case with the weird bump. It's surprisingly comfortable to hold. And the new Apple battery case not only also still has a lightning charger underneath, which is great since we're still on the lightning ecosystem, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen. We're, well, I I don't know if you've seen apparently this year it's, we're switching to USB-C. Um they that's said like that all the last year too. No, no, they said they might do it. Did they? Um they said the iPad like any but relevance n- now to now it's, this this stuff. No, no, no. Yeah, the the difference is so last year it was the analysts. This year it was the rumor mill. The rumor mill with Apple is actually always more predictable than the analysts because the rumor mill is usually just the manufacturers of the phones and the partners that build cases for the phones. So like the rumor mill gets everything correct 100% of the time. The analysts are like, maybe this is the year they'll put a USB-C slot. The rumor mill is like Apple's putting a USB-C slot in this year.
0: Honestly, because I've we've seen it so many times that i'll believe it when i see it this is just one of yeah,
1: those I mean, things where i don't dare get my hopes up yet i don't like i genuinely and I, this is this is really testing my i'm staying in the apple ecosystem you know home pod defense squad type shit <laughs> um and what did it what's testing me is i after getting like you know the new uh the new Sony MX one thousand M three whatever the hell they're called and like having a switch and a MacBook and an iPad Pro and all that stuff. I'm like, if the new iPhone doesn't have USB C, I'm just gonna wait. <laughs> like, uh, oh, I I'm just not gonna get a new iPhone. I know for a fact I'm not yeah. getting
0: this next one because I've spent way too much money on iPhones in the past two years. Oh yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm until- waiting at least until the model after. Until we have 5G across the board, and 5G is a viable thing, uh, I want for a reason that's not just it's cool, but rather it's a thing I can purchase, um,
1: then I don't really see a reason to upgrade. 5G is pretty garbage right now for an insane amount of reasons, but that's in like. In
0: fact, you have to stand on like a single street corner in Chicago, climb a telephone yes. pole and yep. do a little dance and, you know. Yeah, you have to like, you know, your right hand
1: and shimmy, shimmy, shake. Before yeah, you grab can like. Activate. Also. It's it's such a yeah, no, it really is like not great. And the other thing with it, too, which a lot of people don't know, and I forget the specifics of 5G. Ironically, like people on like the the tech journalists know more about this shit than us. But like the main thing about 5G is that it's not designed to be really a 4G replacement, which is weird. Right. Like it's a very different type of technology. Like 5G is pretty short form. Like it is a short form, shorter wave, something along those lines where it's it's insanely faster, but the towers need to be placed significantly more frequently. So like this is going to be a thing that's like in cities, like bigger cities coming to smaller cities, smaller cities. But like, and then like, you know, like campuses and whatnot. But like you're not going to get like a rural 5G network, like maybe ever, you know, I because that. the tap the the, it's just not fundamentally designed for that. We'll have, um, to, we'll have to
0: do a more in-depth talk on five G. For now, right, We should uh, yeah. move on and actually oh, yeah. get into some of the stories that we have because a lot of sure, a lot of stuff is going on. First of all, Evan, yeah, we are living in just. I, I don't even know. Like, we're, we're I you're going to love this. We're on our way to, like, Blade Runner universe. It's hell bad. yeah, dude. Should I get my art book out? Oh I don't have it. Okay. It's not good. This is bad. Facebook has announced its own cryptocurrency. And it's confusing because it's not their own cryptocurrency. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Do you want to explain
1: it or shall I? Sure, I'll explain it. Uh, so Facebook has recently announced a thing called Libra. Uh, Libra is their cryptocurrency, but calling it their cryptocurrency is a little weird because it's not really a cryptocurrency that is owned by Facebook. It's a cryptocurrency that is sponsored by Facebook. Also so let's put it is, this way. It's yeah, not
0: a traditional cryptocurrency and it's not right. strictly blockchain.
1: It's right, it's a cryptocurrency, except it's not really crypto, and it's It's also not really a cryptocurrency, kind of like PayPal, actually. It kind of is PayPal, but like the the thing, PayPal, I need to look more into the actual specifics of Libra because I'm only now just starting to get into cryptocurrency, like, I'm in the stage. It's very bizarre. I'm in the stage of crypto right now where I'm just like buying shit on Robinhood and like, you know, a micro heart attack like every five minutes. Um, so once I get past that stage and I actually start putting some of it more on my wallet and I start like, you know, actually like looking into the blockchain, start writing shit for it. I always wanted to write stuff on, oh, all right, backing up a little bit. So cryptocurrencies are based on a technology called the blockchain. The blockchain in, Not even really in layman's terms, it's a glorified word for decentralized database, right? The blockchain is just a set of things that have happened, right? That an insane amount of computers around the world, including possibly yours, all have a record of, and they're all making these computations by a thing called proof of work in order to more or less verify that any sort of action on that network is like is safe is real right it's not bullshit okay so like if i say i send ten dollars to joe right somehow any any network any bank or right has to be like does evan have ten dollars to send to joe is that evan right um and the just the blockchain and cryptocurrency right doesn't want to have the whole point of it is that it's not just one network there's not one central person controlling everything everyone has like a piece of it so the idea is that everyone's doing all this shit but going uh, in that bitcoin has no central real organization besides the people who kind of like update and develop it they don't own the bitcoin uh and the difference between that and libra is there it very much is an organization controlling libra right there is a the libra foundation i think it's called right um and they control the currency and there's a lot of very very familiar names on there if you're into fintech at all you might be like hey wait a minute stripes here you've got like mastercard and visa i think um
0: the libra foundation does not technically control libra right now the libra foundation will take control of libra at the end of the year as of right now libra is still controlled by facebook uh i didn't know that (laughs) yeah uh the libra the libra foundation doesn't take control i believe for another six months at which point Mm -hmm. ownership moves fully over to the libra foundation which is based out of geneva switzerland and mm-hmm. Facebook will be one of, I believe, 25 votes on that board. The goal yeah. is after the first year or the first so many years, they're looking to have 100 governing members of the Libra Foundation. The buy-in for this foundation is something around along the lines of $10 million, along with you need to have half a rack of server space and obviously a certain level of security that would allow you to run their software. Right. Um now, now- the interesting aspect the most interesting aspect t- to me about Libra is the fact that and I think this is the most interesting fact to most for most people with Libra is that it's not a cryptocurrency in the sense that it is Bitcoin and that it's going to fluctuate wildly in Mm -hmm. price. Libra is what you'd refer to as a stablecoin, but it's not a traditional Mm -hmm. stablecoin as most stablecoins are usually pegged to a single currency. Generally, they're either pegged to the US dollar or the pound, occasionally the yen. In this case, Libra is pegged to a number of international currencies, including Mm -hmm. the dollar, the pound, and the yen, along with uh, several others, actually. So Mm -hmm. what that means is, in theory, it should actually be more stable than any single one of these currencies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, naturally... This all sounds like a spectacular idea and Facebook has come out uh, saying that, well, they're very interested in working with every single one of these federal agencies across the world in performing this rollout correctly and according to regulation and almost like clockwork. Every single financial politician in the world All
1: said, hold on there. Because <laughs> hold your hold your fucking horse, buddy. Uh, you're just trying to make another currency. Not do that. That's a little. No. Yeah, it was. Maxine Waters. It was,
0: not a fan.
1: Maxine. Uh, Maxine. There's there's very few things Maxine Waters is a fan of when it comes to I think the the big companies doing shit but like
0: but the difference is that Maxine Waters is also the chair of the banking uh sorry uh thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay I forget I forget what chair she holds but like yeah no you the thing with something like this is like you'd think that Facebook would have talked this over with the politicians who would freak out the most about it like you you think that this would be a thing that they would be like all right let's think for a second we're building a a currency that is not designed to replace the us dollar but is like essentially targeting a very specific market of sending money overseas and internationally right like which Let's be fair. That's going to be their initial market is like sending money overseas
0: because remittances are clearly their initial market.
1: For sure. And it's like it's not something in the United States we think about because we essentially have 50 little micro countries that are all one big country. And most people we know are like, you know, within the United States. And let's be honest, you don't have friends who are in Canada. Like I don't have friends who are in Canada, even though it's actually like, you know, for the most part, closer to me. And where I go to school than like, you know, downstate because borders are crazy. Right. And um and sending money across those borders is even crazier. But and there's a whole lot of shit that goes down.
0: The primary but, target for Libra in this scenario is, for example, the Iranian who's working in, say, uh Quebec and sending mm-hmm. money back to Iran. Normally right. you'd pay something like I believe maybe seven percent in remittance tax on that which is a really significant portion of any amount of money you're sending back oh by sending it via for example libra you avoid this seven percent it could be reduced down to literally tenths of a percent to just the amount that it costs uh the servers to stay running
1: and you've saved mm-hmm. yourself thousands of yeah. dollars a year. Oh, for sure. And like it's um what the advantage is, right, is that essentially once there's if if there's like a global stable coin, right, then all these tech companies can essentially like avoid most of the hassles of like dealing with big banks, of like dealing with like you know national relation or like national like regulatory policies involving money and financial transfer, like there's there's so much to be gained here. And I think like one of the big reasons that you haven't seen an insane amount of like disruptions in the financial tech industry is because there hasn't really been like okay, current cryptocurrency isn't like it's not a good replacement for any stable fiat currency, right? Like, you've you've got these fucking crazy Bitcoins, which cost insane amounts of money to even acquire and, like, you know, send places because of the massive server costs. And they're also incredibly unstable because they're not tied down, like you said, to any, like, stable currency. So um, the idea that, like, some coin can come in and, like, disrupt that, Pretty fucking awesome honestly i've wanted that for a while because i thought the tech line like crypto is really cool and it sort of like gets past all the the big roadblocks from like disrupting financial stuff um so like uh there's there's entire companies that have been founded on connecting people to their bank digitally i think there's one called plaid or plate or something right that's entire job is like we felt we have an api that allows you to Log into their banks, and this is what like you know any financial like app like Robinhood or uh, something along those lines uses. But once you have this like money API that people actually use, because let's be fair, people aren't using Bitcoin, right? Like I think I have Bitcoin. Way that it's intended, exactly. Like Bitcoin is an digital gold. It's an asset. It's not. It's not like a currency that I'm transferring. I'm not paying Joe for the pizza that we got in Bitcoin. I'm paying for it on Venmo, like a normal human. And then like also probably putting like a funny little thing that says this is for all the illegal drugs and then getting banned by Venmo because that's an actual policy they have. You dumb idiots. Um, And I literally did not know that. Yeah. If someone's (laughs) like this is for all the LSD Venmo. will you bought something illegal and they'll like suspend you. <laughs> they'll, I they'll do it. Yeah. I, I literally did not know that. <laughs> I know that because like, uh, I, I like some, some of my friends are literally like, yeah, then suspended me for a while because my friend was like, this is for the drug money. <laughs> and, like, like, thanks for like, that's it's also a quick correction. You know, Maxine
0: waters, uh, is the chairwoman of the house finance committee. I said banking committee. Banking. I was wrong. Mike. Okay. Uh, Mike Crapo is the chairman of the Senate Banking Committee.
1: Now that's a name I've never heard of. But, yeah. um, like yeah. So either way, the the idea that something like Libra can come along and disrupt this entire industry and actually make like a cryptocurrency, and for those who can't see, I'm very heavily air quoting, um, that like is used by the masses is pretty cool.
0: It is the problem. Yeah, the so problem. Let's get into the issues with this because it's yeah. not all fine and
1: dandy here. It's not. It's really not. So I wish it was. First of
0: all, as with many cryptocurrencies, we've got ourselves a public ledger. Uh, I don't yeah, know the, how we blockchain. feel about that.
1: So the all right so. Here's the thing about um, crypto, kind of like getting into explaining it on that top level, right? So, all right, I talked about the huge centralized da- or decentralized database, right? Everybody's got a little piece of this database. Everybody's checking it against each other to make sure me sending $10 to Joe for pizza, like, is actually, I have the $10 to send to Joe, right? And I'm not bullshitting it. Um, the Here's the downside to that, is in order to know... <laughs> how much money in order to verify that I have $10 to send to Joe, the blockchain slash database is totally public. So what does that mean? That means if you have anyone's address, kind of like an email address or a URL or whatever on that blockchain, you can see how much money they have. You, can have, you have a public view of their wallet and what they've got in it. And you can see what transactions they've made to what other wallets, because that has to be public, more or less, um, in order to make the blockchain verifiable. I know there are some blockchains that have some forms of anonymity. I haven't really looked into those and how they work. But the issue is that Libra doesn't seem to have this. So that means that... You put whatever how many Libras or Libroni or did they fucking state what the what the currency is actually called as like a noun? Uh ooh, that you know
0: what? That is that's like a headline worthy question. Um I The fuck's a Libra we know. I genuinely uh, don't think we know what the like singular currency is called.
1: A library?
0: It's a Libroni.
1: I, 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 made that joke first and you're not going I'm to, I'm sorry. I was, I was reading about Libras. <laughs> yep. Um, a, a Liger. Um, and like the, <laughs> I, I just realized, cause it's like, what is Bitcoin? Ah, I have one Bitcoin because it's like, wait, Libra. I don't know how English works. Honestly, Libras doesn't sound right. I have 40 Libras. It's probably just Libra. It's probably Libra is the plural right well i, I have 40 libras to it but yeah it's 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 probably just there's no s at the end of it like the singular is the plural like deer or whatever it's libra it's like i have 100 libra and i'm willing to send it to you. i have yeah i don't know oh well i, I mean the more you say, i, I think like, oh it ethereum is the same too ethereum is the same it's like i have like 10 it's they're they're the coins called ether I have a hundred ether. I don't have like a hundred ethers. So it's probably just Libra. Oh, I thought it was, oh, well. I have a hundred ethereum. Uh, no. So actually, um, eth- ethereum is the blockchain technology. Ether. Is- oh, ether is a coin. Okay. I'm pretty sure I might be totally fucking wrong and I would hate to be, but that I'm pretty sure sad, that's the actually. case because let's all cross our fingers and hope Evan's wrong. Let's all cross our fingers. But like, um, from what I understand, ethereum is like the general stack and you actually have different types of currency in Ethereum. You have ether, which are the actual coins that you can send to each other. And the big difference between Ethereum and like say Bitcoin is that Ethereum has this thing called smart contracts, which the idea is essentially, these computers are processing stuff. You can essentially convert ether into another thing known as gas, which is another type of currency on the network. And then just program a little application and just send it off with however much payment you want, so it can run for however long you want onto the network for it to run. Um, but we're getting a little sidetracked. Like the the main thing is that Libra is uh, Libra has this public blockchain, which is like really the first thing. And like I think most traditionalists aren't really comfortable with that, and I think most traditionalists don't fundamentally understand. That almost every single blockchain that they're using, outside of like a couple, is public.
0: Yeah. Well, so, and I mean, here's the real problem: we've only scratched the absolute surface of the problems with. The, <laughs> yeah. There's a hundred other like. And we'd be getting into heavy financial areas that I don't want to start to touch, but I no. could talk for a long time about the money laundering possibilities here that are... Oh, sure. It's it's not good. And the actual regulatory issues that we get into, again, not good. I, Representative Maxine think- Waters has called for a full moratorium mm-hmm. on the full development of Libra until... Congress can review it, uh, whether that actually does anything
1: remains to be seen. But- so and yeah, and the, the, it's also like that's just the base fundamentals of like what's wrong with the currency in general. Very few people, I think, when they're talking about the currency, right, have actually like looped it in to the overall greater strategic plan that Facebook has for it right like most people when talking about the currency they'll be like it's a cryptocurrency and they talk about the cryptocurrency specifics and they talk about like why facebook is bad right and that's like you know the next thing is it's like oh it's a facebook but like that's their pr people, problem and that's that's the their pr problem. problem right but like what people no one's really talking about i think like why is facebook building this cryptocurrency Everybody thinks the obvious answer is, ah, oh, so Facebook has a cryptocurrency. But I think the answer is like a little less obvious. And I think it very much ties into their whole unification of Messenger, uh, Instagram, WhatsApp, and and also WeChat. Not well, we in their unification of WeChat.
0: Their actual wallet, which is Calibra, yet. Oh, right. Entirely- They're building. It's very important that we make this distinction. So the currency itself is called Libra. Libra is going to, once it's ready to launch, belong to the Libra Foundation, which is only Mm -hmm. owned in part by Facebook. Facebook is one of many corporations that has a vote as part of the Libra Foundation. Now, Calibra is a wallet application that works mm-hmm. with the Libra currency, Calibra is owned entirely by Facebook and will yes. tie in with the Facebook applications like right. Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger.
1: Yeah, and also probably right. WhatsApp too. And WhatsApp, obviously. Um, And now what Facebook's really announced like about a couple months ago was the fact that they want to unify all of those platforms, right? They want to unify Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp, which will be completely honest, is the only platform anyone under the age of 55 is using, um, are those three, no one is really using the Facebook app. It's like, and it's kind of sucks because, you know, Facebook doesn't have to make the Facebook app better. They have no incentive to, they already own their competition right? Like what's their worst case scenario? People are using Instagram more than they're using the Facebook app. Oh no, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to make this other platform better? No, because we own the other platform. Um, and what they're essentially trying to do is they're trying to connect messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram into becoming one messaging platform. And then they're trying to put Libra as like the financial protocol that's underlying those messaging platforms. Um, now they're basically trying to create like the world's messaging platform, which you might be like, wow, that's crazy. That'll never work. What country has a single application that controls their entire economy, controls their currency, controls what they're allowed to do? Controls their government identification. <laughs> controls. Ev- well, I mean, you understand that what I'm talking about isn't a joke. It's how China operates with WeChat. Like, exactly. For people who, if for people who don't know, WeChat people who haven't caught on yet. This is yeah, literally WeChat, how China works. This is how China works. China has the and it, it's incredible because most people in the United States do not know. The only reason I know this is because I have friends who have families in China who have like, you know, done study abroad programs in China, and they like to come back and they're like, This is crazy. WeChat runs everything. In fact, it's actually the biggest reason that Apple can't really sell phones in China. They now, tried. Here's what I'll say. But from a technological yeah. standpoint,
0: it's uh it's a global marvel. Like I yeah. firmly believe that what they've achieved is technologically spectacular and fascinating and on a scale that blows my mind but from oh for sure a data privacy and human rights standpoint it's it's a nightmare
1: (laughs) Uh, i had to double check my portfolio to make sure i didn't own tencent anymore um, because I I'm not sure what our disclosure policy is. Um uh, <laughs> I don't know if we need to disclose whether or not we work for our own shares of stuff when we talk about it. Um but like Only if you own I don't enough, enough that it makes a difference. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't uh, own enough of anything. I don't have that much money. Um but I mean, I'll probably do it anyways, just because like, even if I own like a single share of Snap, which I own significantly more than single shares of Snap, because, again, I love gambling, boy. Um, That's basically <laughs> all it is. Uh, yeah, it's whatever. Short snap. Don't short snap, please. I've got a lot of writing short on this. Um, uh, but so. said About Snap. Facebook. Yeah. So WeChat's just incredible. Uh, it's a privacy nightmare. Uh, Facebook's looking to alleviate those concerns. Their whole thing is, hey, our platform's going to be encrypted, where WeChat was not. Right? WeChat is essentially a tool of the Chinese government. They can see everything. Most people there don't care, right? It's the the pro to the con. Like, it's whatever. It's like, yeah, just don't talk about rebelling against the government. You're going to be fine. Right? It's whatever. Like, daily life carries on. I'm not really talking about it. Um, Facebook's whole thing is, we want to encrypt the back end of all these systems. First off, because it helps to it, it, it's well, first off is because WhatsApp has an encrypted backend. So unless they want to decrypt the back end of WhatsApp and essentially make like literally all their progress on that app moot and one of the main reasons for using that app non-existent, um, they're going to have to encrypt the other ones, too. the second one is because Jesus Christ, Facebook has an insane amount of privacy concerns surrounding their company and surrounding how they track data, surrounding how they keep data, surrounding how uh, people have access to that data, surrounding security breaches, blah, blah, blah. So they have to kind of do this. Like if they if they like said we're going to unify everything and not encrypt everything, horrifying. No, no one would stand for it.
0: Um, Well, and the, the encryption. Yeah I, I think it's the future. If if we well, if we don't begin to yeah. transition that way.
1: Any company uh, yeah, that like, don't I,
0: begin to transition that way are going to be left in the dust. Yeah.
1: I think so too. Um there's this one argument that Dieter Dieter from the Verge, which I'm surprised this is the first like time I brought him up. Uh, I I love Verge that podcast. Po- uh yeah, Verge reference. Um I love that podcast and all the people on it. All the people on it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and that's just going to be an inside joke that remains between us. Um, but the, um, the thing that he said, he made an argument and he's posted like three fucking articles on the site about this, is like the moral argument for iMessage on Android. I think you've probably heard about this, right? Is like Apple's whole moral case is that buy an iPhone because it keeps you private and secure and encrypted. But the problem is, anytime you want to send a text message to an Android user, you're not secure and you're not encrypted. And they also have to buy an iPhone, too, or they have to use, like, some service, like, Signal. And he's like, it's Apple's moral case to build an iMessage app for Android. And, like, if this is the thing that I'm scared about, is that not that Facebook is building an encrypted messaging service, but that they don't have competition. Their biggest competitor, and I'm pretty sure Zuckerberg said this in his shareholder last year their biggest competitor is iMessage they said that their biggest chat competitor is apple iMessage which might sound crazy until you realize that their biggest competitors are all brands that they own well exactly and not they,
0: to steer us too far off and I think I, I think we'll wrap up the facebook mm-hmm. and cryptocurrency talk right about here because we've okay sure. so far off um yeah but this is this is rcs this is this is the sms replacement and this is this is the purpose of rcs
1: rcs isn't encrypted rcs is not encrypted i my understanding rcs is not encrypted (laughs) rc that's the big problem so that's the thing with rcs is rcs is exactly like imessage except it's not encrypted it's exactly it rcs right has all the functionality of an application like imessage but the same exact backend system as sms which means you send a message it goes from your phone unencrypted to a carrier and your carrier stores it on their servers where they try to find what other carrier it needs to be routed they send it to that carrier and that carrier sends it to the phone no no, no, no. that's exactly like how okay. sms works right no, no no rcs does offer encryption it does yeah, that's new. Yes, I'm yes, yes, yes. pretty sure it doesn't.
0: That that no, it does. Um, and let me send you the fuck. Sorry. Um, so they're not end to end encrypted. They are encrypted. In-
1: okay, that then that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, in- encrypted in transit. Let's let's get into that's, the muck of this.
0: That's the problem. That's the problem yeah. that we run into. So, encrypted in
1: transit versus end to end encryption there's a big difference there right the the difference is that encrypted in transit means i send the message from my phone to joe's phone if someone like is going on my network and is packet sniffing for that message right then what's going to happen is they're just going to see like random bits okay so that's pretty good. That's like, you know, basic security one one. I'd hope to God that every single like packet you send out of your fucking computer is encrypted in transit at this point, because if it's not, then anyone anyone on a fucking Starbucks connection can figure out your goddamn bank information and they should not be able to do that. So encrypted in transit isn't like, you know, oh, that's nice. It's the bare fucking minimum. I'm pretty sure I'm not sure if SMS was encrypted in transit. So, hey, no. This might be a slight step up. SMS is Um, wide open. Yeah. Now, end-to-end encryption means no one can see your stuff without some form of authentication to prove that they are you, either passcode or face ID or whatever. Um, The most prominent... now. Most messaging services, I would hope, have end-to-end or or have in-transit encryption. I think Messenger has in-transit encryption now.
0: Now, Um, I will say that I am not an expert in RCS messaging or SMS messaging, for that matter. Um, Particularly Uh, because they don't work via traditional um, internet systems, but rather they're right their own uh, proprietary infrastructure. So, right, when RCS says that it's encrypted in transit, mm-hmm. in theory, the only people that should be able to read your messages would be your carrier.
1: That's a problem. <laughs> That's a big right. It would be your carrier, the carrier that you send it to? Right. Okay. So, so let me explain why. I have a question and I want everybody to try. I want you to call up your carrier, go on the support line and be like, I'd like to figure out the most recent text messages I sent because I don't have my phone and uh, someone else has it. Now what's going to happen is they will probably transfer you to a support associate. They, you ask for verification, like, you know, your mother's maiden name, like, you know, pet, all that fun shit. And then they're going to probably transfer you to someone who has the ability to check all the SMS messages that you've sent on your account. Um, Oh, you don't even
0: have to call a support assistant. Yeah. You can get this online.
1: This this is actively available on the Verizon website. Right. So why is this a bad thing? Okay. Like, the only person who's going to get into a support thing is me. Here's why it's bad. There's this thing called social engineering. Uh, what's happened is over the past couple of years, uh, computer security has actually gotten pretty fucking good. Most things have like it's not, you know, nothing is unhackable. Nothing's unfallible. But systems are getting more secure because we're putting we're making it harder and we're asking for more proof for when someone's logging in. Like you might have noticed when you're logging in, your phone's. We've sent a text to your phone, enter these six numbers or like something's popping up on your phone asking you to click. Yes, this is all great because that means anyone who needs to log in has to have access to your phone. Unless it's SMS, which is another thing. The, the big thing is that if the only thing that you need is standing between you and some information is another human being. You can trick that person. You can socially engineer that person. And there have been, there's this one really great, uh, I forget the name. She's a, she's a security researcher. She literally like called up uh, a carrier and like did this whole crying baby thing. And like faked, you know, I have a crying baby. I need to get into this thing, you know, blah, blah. And she just got into someone else's fucking phone account with their permission, right? They were there, but she just got into their account. And she could like see text messages and shit. Like if you get access, if you get that tight, you can trick these people. And unless you have like some password or unless like you have unlocked the physical device that you have used to send the message, no other system, I think, should, and this is this is an Evan Hirsch opinion. No other system should be able to re- send or or should be able to read the stuff that you have written besides you and the people you have sent it to. Because otherwise, the the ones that... Because then you have some centralized, like, point of failure that can be tricked if someone wants to get access to your data. I'm pretty sure that's also how, like, the Jeff Bezos fucking voicemail thing happened. Remember that shit? I do. Or the Jeff... This. This a- so, like, the Jeff Bezos text messages? This All this be, stuff can...
0: The Jeff Bezos one would be the
1: oh crap now i've forgotten it this the Jeff- i think it was Minus. the one where, where he was having the affair yes i'm pretty sure like that was just Jeffrey some Jesus person who up. tricked his cell phone carrier and just got the stuff because sms is a non-encrypted standard your cell phone carrier is not going to be super secure for you so these messages can be easily read um And that's also why when people are like, oh, yeah, the code was sent to your phone through SMS. There are some security people like me are a little not great. So, oh, well, that's my fucking security rant. Jesus Christ, we need to switch to something else.
0: All right. Well, let's move from our Uh, security rant. Um,
1: I've taken two courses in this shit. Boy, I know everything.
0: (laughs) absolutely everything let's move everything to something else we know absolutely everything about for sure Yep. or at least 35 dollars sure. worth uh the raspberry uh-huh. pi 4 hooray it's Ooh. here i'm so excited i'm so
1: happy i already bought it did you buy it already <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bought the desktop kit sending it to my house oh. um I'm i'm so right, i might be buying it right now so I have a hardware project I want to work on over the summer. I have like an idea for this cool thing. And like, you know, worst case scenario, or I'm, I might like end up kickstarting it if I can actually prototype the fucking thing. Um, but in my, I, I've always wanted to get into hardware, and I've never really done it before. Um, and in my backyard, there's this little like, you know, shed storage shed that we use for a pool. Um, and what I did two years ago was I actually took an old monitor, took an old keyboard and mouse Raspberry Pi three, uh, model B and created my own little like tech workshop in there. Uh, and this year I plan to do it with a Pi four, soldering irons, the whole deal. I'm going to build some, um, so that it's like, you know, I'm not fucking like doing that shit in my house. <laughs> um, and the raspberry Pi is such a cool little fucking workbench computer. It is the coolest. It's the raspberry Pi is just a toy for nerds. It really is. It's, it's. It's the nerd toy, and it's so fucking great. Oh yeah. Um. What what type of stuff have you done with your Raspberry Pi? I
0: honestly, I have not done anything super exciting. I've built some really? uh, retro gaming emulators. I have oh that's fun. Played around with. Honestly, mostly mine is just a little work server. At the end of the yep, because so. <laughs> Uh, I am just yeah honestly super bankrupt when it comes to creativity and I just mm-hmm. need somewhere where I can walk away from my house and not have to be paying for computing time that's fair
1: I I genuinely so I for I have a bunch of different servers for stuff I have my web server for my website which is just running off of a VM in the cloud because I don't want Every single person I know connecting to my home network, even if it's super firewalled off. Oh yeah, not that's a huge thing. Canada. I don't do.
0: I do not use it yeah. for a web server. Yeah, this it's a bad idea. Connected to the this thing is not connected no. to the internet in any significant way that anyone else can reach it.
1: It's right. So I have, I do have right now, <laughs> um, um, or not a computer, a VM that's running off my gaming PC at home that I have to run some game servers um but it's not you know connected to my main website or anything um and uh the raspberry pi though so the raspberry pi isn't a very good web server it's probably not very good for like the things you want to connect out to the internet to do i think they're advertising the pi for as a media server but like i'm gonna have to i'm gonna be scrutinous about that one i'm gonna like you know throw i'm gonna throw an external hard drive on it which it has usb3 support now Woohoo! so i can get a nice little hard drive maybe throw some media on it. i think Plus, you could get away with that i think you might the the thing is with the pi3 is you certainly were not able to so i'm very still skeptical like i think yeah for for me it's very much like i see all the ports and i'm like that's cool but i want to see how that thing performs like you know, when on not in my hands, but in my SSH hand. So um,
0: let's take a minute and let's uh, let's go over the specs here. So it's got a USB C yes. power supply. It's got right. gigabit Ethernet. It's got two USB three ports, two USB two ports. It comes with either one gigabyte, two gigabytes, or four gigabytes of RAM. The processor mm. is not listed here. Do you see it in a convenient place? uh no <laughs> i'm gonna i think uh i think the most interesting thing is oh. that they chose to go with micro oh sorry yeah i got it so micro hdmi ports we've got two of them
1: yep so the there i remember them talking about this the reasoning was because they were like this is the only way we were get dual monitor support on the board why
0: in the world do you need dual monitor support on a red i don't know but who, i don't know but who yes was asking for dual monitor support was i don't know um some people somebody was asking for dual monitor support on their at- is somebody using this for like an actual <laughs> computer and they're like i need yeah
1: two uh, monitors. honestly like i'm not gonna lie like i this is a great first computer to get any kid like i know it's like oh man it's a linux computer and like, what, what the fuck? My kid's just gonna grow up to be some like neckbeard on G talking about Gen Two. But like, I no, I it's actually a great first computer for here's your kid. A good question: Because
0: Can you run Fortnite on a Raspberry Pi? I There's... don't think
1: Fortnite has a Linux port. Does not have a Linux port. All right, all right. Here's... Um, you could probably actually run the Android version. Uh, oh yeah, you, you could. You definitely could. Um, you could run the Android version, uh, maybe. Okay. Here's I don't know. Fortnite.
0: Okay. You could almost uh, definitely run the Android version. Now, the other I mean, question
1: is... Yeah. Does Minecraft have a Linux port? Which I'm, uh, Minecraft I'm sure doesn't does. just have a Linux port. Minecraft comes for free on every Raspberry Pi. <laughs> You're kidding me. No. Why did I not know that? How long have they been... Minecraft? Uh, like i think since the original what no um you yeah. are a dirty liar no uh yeah google that i'm sorry Bing it um uh yeah get the yeah it's called minecraft pie edition and um it's been it's been a thing on the raspberry pi for a while i don't know if it's like 100 the full edition of minecraft but it's been there uh, it's- and um, you can get the you can get the full edition running because Minecraft is just a Java game.
0: That's insane. I guess I never. Yeah. Well, I've I've, I've always wiped it's, it's it. hidden. I've always wiped Dude, my just, Raspberry Pis the second I got them. So I
1: guess. I oh got yeah, them no. Noticed. It's 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 hidden in the default version of rasp From what I know. Oh, it's um. Hidden. It's just okay. It's it's in the default version of Raspbian. and it's in one of those like. But it's there, and it's. But, like, you know, it's a cool little thing. It's got, like, music stuff and whatever. Well, there you go. That's that's everything a child needs. It is. Um, I I mean, dude, I was fine with, like, fucking um, Windows XP or Windows, like, 95 computer. I played fucking Lego Island on that shit. I played, like, you know, uh, freaking Space Kid at 3D Pinball. Is Lego Island, Mm that
0: stupid Windows pinball game, and Age of Empires.
1: I didn't play Age of Empires when I was young. That's probably why I turned out to be a normal. Yeah, well... I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I am. But um, the power over Ethernet enabled... Ooh, I did not realize that they built this in. So I follow this really great YouTube channel called Node. Not the not the big gamer. Uh, it's N, uh, like Node, but with like hyphens between all the letters. He does a lot of really cool maker stuff. And he also... Is a pretty big open source decentralization advocate. Um, he created this kind of like prototype Raspberry Pi that he essentially a lot that um, is power over Ethernet enabled. And what that means is that there is a special type of Ethernet cable that actually can deliver power like a USB cable. Yes. And what that means is all you need to do is plug your Raspberry Pi into an Ethernet cord. These are excellent. and it's powered. Yeah. So the fact that that's built in is awesome. Um, Honestly, there's this, yeah. This
0: four is super extra. Uh,
1: yeah, between it's mean the USB three,
0: mm-hmm. uh, the the powered Ethernet port, and the fact that it has yeah. dual monitor support
1: in 4K. It's it's really incredibly unnecessary. <laughs> it's super unnecessary, but I think what they're trying to do basically they. were... I like. They made the one, then the two, then the three, and I think they just don't want to do that as far as the foundations concerned anymore, and that's why they kind of just left the Raspberry Pi three. I think came out like four years ago. Um, and they might have made some slight improvement models and like in terms of cost and whatnot, but the Raspberry Pi three more or less came out four years ago.
0: I've got um, uh, specs on the processor but, now. Yeah, cortex, but I know... A72 ARM V8 64-bit at
1: 1.5 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Also, Bluetooth I mean, 5.0. Yeah, Bluetooth 5.0, which is a huge step up from 4.2. And it's really cool. It's I'm I'm really hyped about USB supply for some stupid fucking reason. I don't know why. It's like you plug something into a wall, and then it never again. Like, I'm not like... Oh man, where's the, I'm not like running around in the airport. Like, oh shit, I need a charger for my Raspberry Pi. Like you just set this thing and forget it. But like the switch to USB-C is nice. Um, the, the thing I'm like, I don't know, in terms of my Raspberry Pi, I've used it for a bunch of different software over the years. I've used it as a server for Hass, which is Home Assistant, um, which basically is like, hey, are you scared that the big corporations are in control of your house? Well, now you can run your own little fucking smart home server. And like, that's pretty cool. You can program it and you can do crazy wild shit with it and you can waste an entire weekend. Things work, but it's there. Um, and you can actually do cool stuff with it. So like, for example, um, I'm okay. I'm really going to start building my whole like profile here. So I own a Dyson fan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> so I own <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> So I own a Dyson fan. I own the hot cool purifier. I got it like I think it was on sale. It was only 350. Uh, it's usually 500, but I really wanted it for my room in my apartment because they're fucking great um and the thing about those is they have a they're they're smart home connected you connect it to your wi-fi Ooh, cool um but the thing with a lot of like there's so many smart home devices on the market where smart home shit just feels like an afterthought right where it's just kind of like they threw it in to throw it on the box but like it's only supporting one or two things so like this fan only supports alexa which is like the one smart home system I actually don't use. I use Google Assistant and HomeKit. So what Home Assistant can do is you can install components that other people have written that allow systems like your fucking Dyson fan to connect to it. And then you can bridge your Home Assistant smart home to any smart home system you want. So instead of like saying I have to log in with all my shit everywhere and like connect it to all these separate weird cloud platforms. You can just have your Raspberry Pi controlling your smart house and broadcasting all that stuff out to whatever system you use. If you use Siri, you got it. If you use assistant, got it. You can kind of like have this one localized server controlling your smart house, which is pretty cool. Um, The only downside is you have to pass IO. I think you have to pay five bucks a month for it. But they're really doing this because it's like, it, it keep the servers up on our own and We don't tell your data explicitly. So right. that type of person is cool you're, for that.
0: Uh, you're starting to robot out a little bit. I'm going to. Oh, that's it. <laughs> All right. We're i'm gonna take control for a couple seconds while your internet sorts itself out and we're gonna skip on forward to our last story here which is a twitter story which is of course my favorite story i love twitter so much oh my god i've got a twitter problem but
1: that's not you have a twitter problem
0: that's true you have a much bigger twitter problem but your twitter problem is different you get in fights i just tweet too much
1: (laughs) No, I I also tweet too much, Joe. How many tweets have you posted? That's true. You started a second account to tweet more. Uh. I did. <laughs> I started a second account to tweet the things that I'm not tweeting on my first. Um. Anyway, and it's it's a good one. We're so
0: the new Twitter censorship policy is going to be going in effect, and. Basically, Twitter announced last week that rather than in basically what they said is rather than enforcing their own censorship policy on we'll call them public figures. So essentially significant politicians, they're going to do this new thing where they're going to try and strike a balance where rather than removing these figures from the platform, because they feel that the message is culturally significant in some way, Mm -hmm. they are going to mark them as having, uh, violated their rules of abuse and mm-hmm. they're going to lower them in the search results. Right. But they're still going to appear. And that's their solution. It's so. So basically, yeah. they're going to say they violated our rules.
1: But here you go, anyway. <laughs> so I yeah, I heard about this and honestly, I didn't really give it an insane amount of thought. Um, But, and I'm hoping we get actually our first uh, Joe Evan debate on the show right now is I actually am perfectly okay with this policy because like it's significantly better than what they were doing before, which was literally nothing. Their rule was beforehand. Their rule was exactly the same, except we just keep the tweets up for public figures.
0: I really want to disagree with you, but actually mm-hmm. the way they've handled this is really elegant. Um yeah. because I tend I, to ag- I tend to agree. They obviously yeah. can't remove abusive political figures from Twitter because right. they still have significant messages to give. So Right. Their solution is that any government official or political figure who is verified and has more than 100,000 followers, this is their cutoff, Mm -hmm. is that these tweets are going to be flagged and that they're going to be marked with this uh, message. You now have to click through this message in order to see the tweet. And in addition, the tweet will no longer appear In searches for that political figure, it's no longer going to appear in Twitter moments that are generated Mm -hmm. automatically. Obviously, you can still put them in Twitter moments yourself, but they won't Mm -hmm. just appear in Twitter's Twitter moments. They Mm -hmm. won't be elevated automatically. Basically, Twitter doesn't go out of its way to promote these tweets in or the algorithm doesn't go out of its way to promote these tweets it actually goes out of its way to just push them down in the way that it kind of pushes down insignificant tweets if right you catch my drift exactly which is so, a
1: fairly elegant solution yeah i i tend to agree like i think that the the solution here works um now what i'm here's my biggest concern is whether or not twitter is actually going to apply it like the first like i'm trump violates twitter's rules on like a semi-frequent basis right and this whole guideline system that they like publicly stated was their main reason for not like taking down trump's tweets when he like directly threatens acts of violence right Twitter Twitter doesn't really like think about like here's the thing when when they're the forming Twitter and they were Donald forming their Trump gu- that's that's
0: sort of yeah. the first area obviously obviously yeah. he's not the only one out there there are oh for sure several politicians it, it, out there Jack Dorsey first thing he said we have <laughs> no particular
1: politician
0: in mind when placing yeah. this policy of course, this is I what I
1: doing. Dorsey has to. And like as much as I kind of like shit on him for doing this, like he has to placate the right. He has to placate the politicians that feel like they're being like abused or misaligned or whatever, the same way Zuckerberg does. And the reason being that, like these platforms fundamentally don't have real competitors like what's Twitter's real competitor gab like actually, it's really funny because there's an insane amount of these competitors that just have free speech alternatives where all the people who are banned from this main platform go. And it's almost entirely a haven for Nazis. It's kind of funny. Like Twitter has this platform called Gab, which is like a sort of mimic Twitter. And it was founded by people who were like, we want a free speech open Twitter, like, you know, dedicated by free speech rules. And you go on that website and it's, all Nazis. And it's not like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not being facetious. Like, oh, wow, these are like, you know, alt right political figures. It's like, I challenge you to go on Gab and tell me how many like Gabs or whatever the fuck they're called it takes before you find something about the Jews controlling it. Cause it's probably not very many. It's right there. And Reddit has the same thing with Vote, right? Where Reddit like bans um, all like these subreddits and they all move to another free speech like Reddit. And it's the same thing. It's like a bunch of like anti-Semitic content, a bunch of hate speech, all that there. Now, here's the issue is all these platforms did this. They banned the very obvious shit. Hey, if you're posting anti-Semitic stuff, you're posting racist stuff, you're posting like, you know, overly homophobic stuff. We're going to ban you. Right. Like this is stuff that I think most people can agree on, um, including like I'd say the more prominent like right wing politicians. Right. But. The more targeted harassment stuff, especially when it's a bigger figure, gets tricky. So Reddit introduced a similar system called quarantining. And actually, I think this was also going to be on our topic list uh, was Reddit quarantined a subreddit called The Donald. And what does that mean? Well, it means you don't see for it when you search on Reddit. It means you get a warning when you have to click on it. This actually sounds really fucking similar. It's because it's the same system. It's the same. Twitter is quarantining tweets. Well, the difference between
0: this and quarantining on Reddit is my understanding of quarantining on Reddit is that you can't click through a quarantine. Only you can. The,
1: can you click through a quarantine? Yeah. You okay. can click through it. I can go to the Donald right now. Um, Like, you can, you can go through to a
0: quarantine. It's the same system. It may be an um, error with their mobile app. Uh, I was... Checking it last night and I didn't see an immediately obvious way to get through
1: it. Yeah, it's right there. It says, are you sure you want to view this community uh, community? And it says, no, thank you. Click continue. And I can go to, um, I may have missed it on the mobile app. Yeah. The, the difference here is that this is on a community where on Twitter, it's on a tweet by tweet basis, which is how Twitter, I think rules most, uh, that's how Twitter does reporting. And that's how Twitter makes their judgments is, since they're not a section of communities they're a section of individual accounts um creating posts to this global network where reddit is is more um uh, groups of communities that are contributing to this global network um right. and i think we're going to continue have to kind of
0: to yeah. see sort of this this delicate balancing act of right. social networks as especially as prominent politicians continue to weigh in on this debate of whether or mm-hmm. not they're first of all being censored and secondly whether mm-hmm. they have the right to censor these so these networks have the right to censor or not which right is, that, that that that's that's a debate in its own and I won't derail us any further but yeah i mean and i could so, go off on that so I think but, this yeah. is I, I think this is an excellent solution that Twitter has found I think it's one that Facebook should also begin looking at. Yeah. Because uh, so far I think this leaves Facebook is a fairly slow responder because I think Facebook relies primarily still on their machine learning, and of course, we had the Verge article that came out recently about uh
1: con 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 their con- uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting the name too. Con. Oh cognizant. my god, cognizant, cognizant, they're cognizant. cognizant. I need more coffee. I need more coffee. Which is just one of
0: the um, contractors that goes mm-hmm. through questionable facebook posts and screens them for content right obviously this is neither a good nor a sustainable system for facebook Mm -hmm. so a solution needs to be found here right it's i mean their solution is masking a very masking some of the stuff that we read about in the cognizant article behind a screen is obviously not the solution But some things it may be.
1: Um, I think like it's funny because I remember hearing every every tech company solution is eventually oh the AI for almost virtually every fucking position outside of their core software engineers is, oh, the AI is going to get good enough and then we get to replace the humans we're currently paying as temp workers. That's Facebook's whole thing for moderation. That's every platform's thing for moderation, YouTube, whatever. That's Uber and Lyft's thing for fucking um, their driving cars. Yeah, like every company that fundamentally pays humans to do a thing that isn't code their core product, right, or sell their product. Like if you're not working at a company HQ right now and you're making money off them, chances are you're not like that you're part of their plans to like cut you out in order to make more money um facebook and twitter and whatever it's more of an efficiency thing right because they're like hey these ai are better at like you know judging these policies and applying these policies than a human is which might be true right um in uber and lyft's case it's not just Humans or whatever are like going to are worse at drivers than an AI, which for all we know might be true. It's that these companies are not profitable with drivers right now because they're trying to eat up costs and keep costs low in order to beat the taxi. And they are losing money here. And their only way to gain money back is to deploy fleets of self-driving cars, cut out a majority of the drivers except for areas that they're needed and regain some of their profits. Um, but like going back to like, just kind of overall, like the, the, the Facebook moderator thing, it's, it's kind of crazy because we have this idea that AI is going to be better at like applying this type of content and like censoring these things like Twitter and Reddit and whatever than humans are. But like, arguably the whole quarantine system that Reddit and Twitter are implementing is way more like fucking gray lines than does this have swastika? Yes, no. That's stuff like an AI is great at, right? But like an AI, it's a lot harder for an AI to recognize a threat. Is a threat playful? Is it not playful? Like, you know, I make playful threats to my friends all the time. And this nuance slash subtext is shit AI is not fucking good at and probably won't get good at for a long-ass time. So as the rules for these websites get more complicated, I don't see human moderators being replaced entirely anytime soon.
0: that's me. So a couple quick questions to wrap us up here. Do you think that this is the solution for Facebook's Censorship problems. Do you think this is a step in the right direction? Do you think, I is think a long
1: way to go? I think Facebook's got a huge problem with pro- con- content on their website. My first thing, like, I have not used the Facebook app in a long, time and I know, like, now this Sorry, whole entire I episode. Facebook, is- I meant Twitter. Oh, Twitter. I mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So okay, thanks. Uh, no worries. I was about to ruin my chances of ever working. um so do i think this um do i think this is the solution to twitter's problem yeah i think this is a pretty elegant solution to stuff um i think that this is probably the best case scenario is like i if trump tweeted something horrible i don't know if I want it removed, right? I want I like the fact that there is proof and evidence that it happened. When you delete a tweet, the only proof you have are screenshot, which by the day become easier to fake. Well, more importantly,
0: right? uh, strictly speaking, it can't be deleted. Um,
1: oh, my so mom. once a tweet, once um, a tweet, uh, the, once a tweet. Oh, right. Uh, wait. And is this the quarantine thing or is this like his tweets?
0: This is in association to record keeping for executive purposes.
1: Oh, right, but he doesn't give a shit about that. No, <laughs> in terms of, particularly. In, in terms of record keeping for executive purposes, should have been time, but he hasn't been doing that. He's been using his personal, and that's on purpose because he's building up his personal brand, right? Okay? Like, uh, like there's this whole system of like. POTUS and like VP and those accounts. Like Pence is using the VP account. We could do an entire show on that. We should do a quick show. But like, yeah, no, we should. We should do it. That would be cool if we start specializing these things. But like, so fucking strictly speaking, he doesn't give a shit about this. But like, I guess going back to it, I think that the overall quarantine thing is a great plan. I what i'm curious to see is actually whether or not they enforce it. Yeah, um, I'm well, hoping they enforce it. I but i don't have too much faith because don't forget that this current policy was like a thing that they only announced after years of it already being enforced and people wondering why prominent politicians stuff was not being deleted for violating the same rules. Um i do think that i'm so I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of it because it creates two classes of citizens on Twitter, but there already was two classes of citizens on Twitter. There already, there always has been multiple classes of Twitter users. Right. So like pretending that like the, the rules are the same for the president of the United States on his personal verified Twitter account with 7 million followers and me a person who has a 2 to 1 following to follower ratio who goes to a college is pretty fucking crazy right it's not like when you become a public figure the rules around you significantly shift and twitter as kind of this mimic and foil to the way that we communicate in real life just on a global scale kind of has to be that it really can't be else. um and because otherwise if it starts like um, applying these like rules and where I, I agree that like all you know like harassment and all this shit's pretty bad, especially from a politician, and they still block it and they still like you know enforce it on a regular level. Most normal humans, if the pol- if if the newsworthiness of Twitter goes somewhere else, Twitter's entire value proposition is gone. If exactly. tomorrow people wake up. And the thing that Trump said isn't on CNN any, or isn't on that's on CNN or whatever news network they want isn't here's a tweet he posted anymore. Then most of the immediacy, which is Twitter's entire value proposition, is gone. Right. And people like one thing I think I forget who said this. It's one of the tech podcasts I listen to. It's either Recode or fucking Verge. Um, <laughs> what someone said on one of those two podcasts is like you go to you go to a place like gab right and conservatives don't like talking on gab that much because it's just them talking to themselves no one wants to just talk to themselves i can guarantee to you that wherever the conservatives like entirely move like if if the big target for the other side moves off your platform the opponents are going to follow right like the reason gab isn't successful right now is because like no major conservatives are using it because otherwise liberals would go there to like you know where they are Um, and it's vice versa so that's why I think this whole Twitter thing makes sense I think it's definitely a
0: wait and see scenario but I I do believe it's a step in the right direction I think I have a lot more I I think I have a bit more faith in you I think yeah I think the problem before is that they were clearly unable to enforce their abuse policies. Like, it was just an obvious non-starter in the first place. Oh, yeah. And I think and this is something they actually can enforce, which is a lot better than something you can't enforce. So... Right. I have... I have a significant amount of faith that they actually will enforce it as for the amount of backlash they'll face, as for the amount of efficacy it'll have. That remains to be seen. I have a fair amount of faith that, again, it will have a fair amount of efficacy and that we will begin to see a shift in tone. And I'm actually really fascinated to see exactly the shockwaves that it sends through Twitter, because I do believe that we're going to see a global shift in tone as Mm -hmm. these things change. But I think that may be a discussion for another time because we are out of time. So I would like to thank everybody who listened to this the first episode of home pod defense squad if you we didn't talk about the home pod once we did not mention the home (laughs) pod once we didn't to apple and just about every apple fan in existence the best way to defend the home pod is to never bring it up i really think that's the only possible way we could possibly we could ever defend (laughs) it if you'd like yeah. to follow us on twitter you can do so we are at home squad if you'd like to send us an email we are homepoddefense squad at gmail.com you can follow me joe farrell on twitter at Pithpith. that's p-i-t-h p-i-f-t-h
1: evan i'm evan extreme it's simple it's one word just follow me there
0: perfect That does it for us. Thank you for listening. We will see you all next week.
1: Warriors-Nets Grand Finals 2020.